Hello. And welcome to the Black Love Project's Black History Month annual series of intimate conversations on topics that bond us. Today, we'll be talking about all things fatherhood with an amazing father, Thomas Skinner, the dad coach. Thomas, are you with us? Yes, I hopefully am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Thanks for joining us. I'm just going to introduce myself very quickly and then I'm going to hand over to you so we can hear a bit about you and your amazing story. So um, my name is Lee Townsend and I'm one of the co-facilitators of the Fathers Forum, um, a support group for dads from all over London and beyond. And our aim is simply to just engage, encourage and support not just dads, but godfathers, grandfathers, father figures and even potential fathers so the remit is quite wide and the aim is just to ensure that there's a place and space for us to support each other and to really just encourage and celebrate our small achievements but in addition to that i'm a father of two i've got a beautiful wife um who has me under the thumb no i'm joking I've got a beautiful wife two kids both girls and just enjoying life to the best of my ability thomas do you want to tell us a bit about you mate well, hi, I'm Thomas, Thomas Scannell, 37 years old from Croydon. Um, I'm a childcare specialist, having worked with children for the last 20 years, and now running a childcare business with my partner, and also a dad's coach, working with men for the last three years. Um, at the moment, I'm specialising with specialising alienation, so helping fathers overcome alienation. Now, when I mean that, I don't mean by the court system, but I mean rebuilding the relationship with their children, understanding how communication works and having the confidence to restart that, rebuild that bond, sorry, not restart the bond, rebuild that bond of the children because a lot of the fathers I work with are scared to take that first step to rebuild it. That sounds amazing. I want to dig down a bit more into that, but I want to ask you a little bit about your childhood. Where did the journey begin? What was the relationship so, uh, with your own father? So I'm from a single parent background. My father was our parent um growing up I grew up with my mum and my father till I was about 18 they both had um their demons they both were alcoholics um abusive relationship um plenty of fights um and in the end it ended up with myself and my two brothers being with our father um my father by no means perfect but the best father I could have ever have asked for um fought his demons until his early death which was I believe three years ago for, from alcoholism um, but it wasn't a sweet ride to say the least. You know what I we've been hanging out for a while now for a few years but I didn't realize that your father had died so recently um, I'm almost feeling led to say my condolences bro I didn't realize any at all but um, how do you think your childhood has impacted the way that you seek to raise your own children? You know, my father set a firm foundation of love and care and providing. So he he essentially is my linchpin for being a father. Although he wasn't the perfect father, he said, like, I need to make sure I provide the necessities at all times. Um, I show love and affection and I'm there to support my children. So, as I said, he had his demons, which he fought until I believed, not that he couldn't fight no more, but until that he believed that me and my brothers had reached that point in our lives where we were able to survive and become the men he aspired for us to be. Um, so he was significant. Without him, there is no me, sort of thing. No, I hear that, man. Because even for myself, I mean, we all have our struggles in our relationships and stuff. When I look back at how I was raised, I just remember certain key things about my dad. So despite all the, the sore points, 
there were some major things that really stood out for me. So, for example, um, he and my mother were both married. So for myself, I set that that benchmark of saying that I didn't want to have kids out of wedlock. I definitely wanted my children to be raised under the same roof as me. And I remember my dad used to always be the one without fail that would pick me up and drop me to school. Most dropping to school would be an alternation, but in the evenings, he'd always be the one that would pick me up, take me to the ice cream van and providing for his children was just such a key thing. And I remember even when I had my own struggles financially and juggling a load of different jobs and all the rest of it, my main concern was uh, making sure that my daughter had the things that she needed. At that stage, I only had one. And I just felt heartbroken when I couldn't provide. Do you know what I mean? You know, I I fully understand that. Um, But what I would say in regards to that is sometimes we, as fathers, we try to provide more than the necessities and that's why we feel down. So that's one thing I took from my father is he provided me food and adequate nutrition to survive. If I wanted steaks and Chinese, I would have been heartbroken, but he provided me what I needed to survive. And sometimes we forget that as fathers, that although we want our kids the best for our kids, the best isn't always necessary. I feel like the word that always comes to mind with all aspects of my life is striking that balance. So sometimes we can get so caught up in trying to raise the financial resources that we miss out on being present for those key stages in their lives. So it could be going to a parents' evening, for example, or a sporting event, or just chilling with them on a Saturday morning. And I think that for some parents, we can get caught up, whether you're a father or a mother, you can get so caught up in trying to provide those material things, those the roof over the head and all the rest of it. And as you said, not focusing on what is essential. So you're trying to provide for those additional needs that you actually get lost in terms of trying to spend those that, that quality time with your child. Have you ever experienced anything like that in your own journey? So in my own journey of running my business, I, I can say I'm thankful enough to have spent as much time as necessary with my children in the early stages. So um, as a childcare specialist, we run after wraparound care. So we've always provided wraparound care for our children first in the areas that our children were going to school. So they would go to school and come and spend time with us. I would drop them to school. Um, I was always able to offer them the care and be there for them and create that foundation. Um, so it, I haven't experienced that, but I have experienced the thing of wanting more and oh, I'm chasing, I need a holiday, chasing, I need a car or they need the best clothes. And then sometimes having to reel myself back in and say, do you know what, they just need me here. Why am mm. I out till 10 o'clock at night doing something when relationships are built with, with being there? When, they t- when my children turn 18, are they going to think of me as a bank balance or are they going to think of me as a father that's there to support and guide them through the turbulence that they're about to face? That's, that's, that sounds really powerful. So you speak about your children and um, the business and stuff and how you've been able to, you've been fortunate enough to have a career where your business facilitates you spending a lot of time with your kids and, and freeing you up so that you can be around them and stuff. But in terms of your demographic, your makeup of your, your, your family, what is your family unit like? Um, how many children do you have? What are the dynamics? So my, my dynamics is wide and varied. So I, I've probably gone through every step a father can go through. So I have a, my eldest daughter who lives with her mum. I have a son for my wife who's 21, just finished university, doing amazing. I have another son from her who's 14, who is at school at the moment, getting ready to plan for sixth form. We have an eight-year-old daughter together, again, 
beautiful, amazing. And I also have two children when, from when I was younger that I'm trying to rekindle a relationship at the moment with. So that's where I understand about actually coming out of your comfort zone and trying to rebuild the relationship, not just for yourself, but also for the children. So now a question. When you're saying I've got a 20-year-old son from my, my wife and an eight-year-old this from my wife and everything else, what does from mean? Because I'm getting a bit confused. If you can just clap. She's the mother of the children. So she's the mother of the two boys and another father so people call it a blended family don't know how okay, much cool. I'm with that and then an eight-year-old who is ours who I am the father of and she's the mother of okay cool 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 one of the things I've observed is that the level of respect that's accorded to you by those children and, the, and just the love that I see you can't tell the difference no one would know that they're not your biological children no I I, I try to treat every child in my care as if they were mine mm. so regardless of if your child is in my care your child is being treated with the utmost respect as yeah. I would treat my own child and that's that's not I don't, I don't know that was something that's always come to me as no matter what so even yes them children are treated like they were mine they're under my roof so they are my child and they will be treated the same um, mm. but any child in my care will be treated exactly as my child so if my child does something to your child my child will not get the easy way and don't expect your yeah. child to get the way too. It'll be treated exactly the same. Well, I don't think anybody, I don't think any other child would want to be under my care because I'm just a military <laughs> regime and my two girls are under the thumb. They, they don't have much room to move. I don't know, I feel like, obviously everything is within reason, but I feel like having that discipline and that, that, that framework under which they have to work and be guided is what's preparing them for life in the future. And as much as I might be strict with them, you know that they're happy. If that makes sense? Yeah, I, I, when I was younger, I used to believe there was one way to parent, and mm. that was the only way you could you could do it. As I've grown and seen so many different children, every child is different to the next child. No matter how close you think they are, even if they're twins, every mm. child is different, and it's down to the parent to know the support the child needs, the discipline the child needs. And like I say, I see you, Lee, and you put everything into your children as a father. So it's not like you're being disciplined. It's because you know that's what your children need in order to help them thrive. And that's what I was going to go on to next. I was going to talk about the way that you might be more firm with one child than you would be with the other because of their level of maturity, because of how they might view the offence and the level that they're at in terms of understanding it. So yeah. whereas the, young, the younger one might have went through a phase of biting and, and she just doesn't understand the repercussions of it. So where the older one might see that and think, what happens if I bite? I get in far more trouble. Well, you're a lot more mature. So to who much is given, much is required. You know, we expect a, 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 a more mature level of conduct from you and, and it just adjusts. But do you feel, I mean, this one hits me all the time, that sometimes when you're punishing the kids, it's like you're almost punishing yourself. Like you just feel so sad and disappointed that you have to actually do it. I've now... Selena, my wife, says that I am, um, my issue is that I always try to soften up a blow. So mm. if, like, if I have to talk in a stern voice for whatever reason, I try never to finish the conversation on a stern because I feel like it takes its effect on me as well. Like, I just need to make sure the child understands what they did happened and it wasn't appropriate for the time or what they did isn't appropriate full stop. But you know what? you're still the great person. I, I don't have a problem with the child. My problem is what was it just took place, but we can carry on as normal. Um, it, it's kind of a negative because she said, oh, why are you so jokey? That's why they think you're a thing. But I like to 
me and you have had this conversation before where we talk about positive reinforcement. So mm. even though I'm talking about how something you did wrong, you're still an amazing human being. So let's mm. get past that as quickly as possible. Don't spill the drink mm. on the floor, wipe it up. Now let's go and play. Like there's no, no I, reason to linger on it. I completely get it. Cause my eldest, um, she's five, just going six. And the other night I was saying to her, she's doing something, I can't remember what it was. And I was like, stop being stupid. Can you brush your teeth and go to your bed, please? Yeah. The language wasn't appropriate. And I got checked yeah. on it. My homegirl went to bed and said to her mummy, mummy, daddy called me stupid. And I don't like it. I don't appreciate when he speaks to me like that. So I've got a text coming in on my phone now saying, why would you call him <laughs> stupid? Even though I didn't. And then I had to bring her in and do that same soft approach where you're reinforcing the love, how intelligent she is, that I would never refer to as stupid. I was talking about the behaviour kind of yeah. a thing. But it made me check myself in terms of how I speak to her and what is the kind of language that I use. Because she's very much aware of what she believes is acceptable language and what isn't. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. I, I think I, I use this um, analogy, is it horses for courses? So mm. that language coming from you is so harsh because you don't use that language on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. Whereas another father might be able to use that with their child as a joke and they understand mm. that. But because you're someone that doesn't really use that language, it burns a little bit more. Whereas I, I probably could like, obviously she's not here right now. She's um, with, um, with my brother. I could say she could do something. Oh, that's so, you're, you're stupid. And she'll probably call me stupid because that's a language that we have together. But because Naomi, sorry for saying that. No, sorry, it's because, cool. you're, because your daughter is um, not used to using that language, it burns. And that's where mm. consistency comes in, which is so important for fathers because there's no point in laying down the, the foundation if we're going to just keep on breaking it down and picking it back up again and relaying it because the child will become confused as what happened with your daughter. I didn't like that. My dad didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable with my dad using that language because I know daddy doesn't use that. You know, one of the things that we've kind of adapted in our household is um, like an appraisal system. So we'll be yeah. looking at our child's progress over a week or a month, fortnight, whatever it may be, not just the academic side of things and going to school. And I know I've got young kids who might be thinking, well, what are you talking about academic? But um, not just that side of things, but also the extracurricular activities, so the tennis and the karate and the chess and all the rest of it. And um, one of the things that we've adapted is the same sort of stuff that you do when you're managing your staff and using that sandwich approach. So we're looking yeah. at something that we're really celebrating and really happy about and that she's, she's, she's performing well in or, or, or is conducting herself in a way that we think is responsible and mature. But then we also look at that thing that we think that she could work on, where there's room for improvement. And then yeah. again, that other layer where we come back again with the praise, because my daughters thrive on praise. They love certificates, they love stickers, they, they, they love the treats. So everything in our house is almost um, treat-based. So if you do yeah. X, you get Y. If you achieve B, you get C, that kind of a thing. And that's really, really worked with, with driving them forward and stuff. But there's something that you touched on that I just want to pull back to. And it's when you're talking about when you're disciplining the child or reprimanding them, and wife is saying that you know you go too soft or you, that's why they think you're a joke and stuff are you the person who the, the, the mothers of your children um turn to when it's time for discipline because I find that whenever my wife reaches a certain place it's like I go to your father or I'm going to call your father I get a call in the middle of the day at work um Naomi's, Emily's not behaving can you talk to her for me please kind of a thing so do you find that you're the one who goes to us if you're the sergeant major in, in the boot camp kind of a thing I would say specifically with um the younger daughter um no, I think there's a shared burden, but 
Mm. Um, I can be the soft one at times because she'll come and ask me, like, can I have this? And they'll be like, you know what? I don't want to say no. So go and ask mummy because mummy's going to say no to that. But mm. then at the same time, if something really needs to be said, it'll be like, oh, I'm going to tell daddy. Like, I'm mm. not going to beat nobody, but I'm going to moan because I like to moan. And um, with my older daughter, it, it can be a thing of, do you know what? Um, can Thomas, can you call her? Thomas, can you yeah. this? Where yeah. is she? She's going to come and stay with you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not the dictator. I'm not an authoritarian. So I do not play that role full stop. I don't like the idea of playing that role either because I shouldn't be punishment. I am the dad. If you do something wrong, I will tell you, but you don't come to me specifically for punishment. Love that. I love that. I just think I need to clarify. I wouldn't want the missus to hear this podcast and be like, rah, what kind of things are you putting out there? But it's more <laughs> a thing where she, she does her thing, but there's a time when we have a shared role. I think it's not, I wouldn't say good cop, bad cop, but it's like two officers doing the interrogation or, or, or putting you in the cell more than just one. So we have that. And we have that time as well when we will talk collectively about a certain behavior pattern, whether it's rewarding it, celebrating it, or, um, or, challenging it so to speak so for example last night at karate we went down and took pictures with my daughter who was getting a certificate for finishing the beginners class which is a six-week program two two days a week and the little one for attending for coming and just behaving herself outside they gave her a little certificate as well so she went into the dojo and um if that's what they call it even and um everyone was clapping her and giving her a round of applause for receiving her certificate that's like our little shared responsibility although that's around a positive We'd also yeah. do it around the things that have a more negative type of feel to it and, and take it from there. Um, you know, I, just thinking about the difference, I don't know what it is to have blended relationships or, 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 or a blended household as, as you speak to it and stuff. And, you know, you've been with, with your wife for a long, quite a long period of time, but in the initial stages, were there any conflicts that you faced with the kids or? You know what, never. myself and Selena, were friends before so she we were friends for like 10 years before we even got beside a relationship together so I knew her yeah. children um the children knew me um so there were there was never any conflict with dealing with the pet with the children on that side it was never a problem as much as the children I treat them like mine I also understand they're not mine the father is very active in their life mm. so mm. I'm not trying to be their father I'm trying to be a male role model as much for them as I am for my children. Yeah, um, yeah. And when it comes to my daughter, um, we broke up when she was young, yeah. like maybe only a couple of years old. Um, and I've never had a problem with any, well, she's now, my daughter, my mother, the father of my daughter is now married. And I see the gentleman and I say, hello. Uh, at first I did feel worried. I, I, every time I went to pick up my daughter, I was waiting for her to say that he'd upset her or done something just, to be a prick like <laughs> but mm-hmm. as I as I matured myself it was like why why should I like why can't he be a good man that looks after my daughter wants to treat her with respect and wants her to grow he's married her mother I chose her mother as well as one point to be a partner as much as we might not see eye to eye no more so I should accept her as a responsible woman to be able to pick a man that she wants to be with and can look after my child as well I feel like mindset emotions and, and accomplishment kind of come to mind because like sometimes we focus on negativity and it sort of pulls negativity in our way do you know what I mean so if, if, if your former partner 
has found someone who she sees fit and trusts around her daughter. And I've got no doubt that she loves your daughter just as much as you do. Do you know what I mean? So thinking about the negative and expecting it and anticipating it doesn't help in any way whatsoever. And you can see where how your relationship with your daughter is blossoming. You've got an amicable relationship with your former partner or, or the mother of your child and, and, and her husband. So everything, it's all gravy. And I think that positive mindset that you exude, I mean, I watch your videos all the time. You know, I, I often hashtag dads matter and see certain things coming up on your Instagram feed or wherever it is that you're posting it nowadays. Um, and you're always exuding this sense of positivity, this thinking about taking responsibility as well is something that I find is one of your key messages. And it's really helpful, man. It really, really is. I think that you're inspiring and, it, and it's great to see the content that you're putting out. You know, I, I, it took me years to realise that I need to stop blaming people for everything that was happening in my life. I used to, like I said, I had two other children that I used to blame their mother for everything and made the wrong decision in my life at that point to walk away. Um, I used to blame my daughter's mum for being crazy and being everything else. But at one point, I don't know, an epiphany, reading, having peers that I can rely on to give me proper information rather than drag me down with them. At some point in my life, and I can't tell you when, it was like, Thomas, you're responsible for where you are today. You're responsible. You picked that person. Like, even if you do think they're crazy, you picked, decided to have that relationship. Thomas, you did this. Thomas, you did that. So once now I've taken ownership of it, I can only look at everything positive now. Everything, I'm not happy as I was yesterday, but I'm as happy as what I can be today. And I take ownership of that. So anything in my life now that is going bad, going well, going somewhat, I need to take ownership of it and see what needs to be changed in order for it to thrive. So can we speak a bit about your your children that, that, you're, that you're estranged from, the ones that you're not in connection with? Yeah, sure thing, no kind worries. Kind of get a bit of a background story to that on, on how that's positioned you now. Yeah, that's not a problem. They would be, I think, 12 years old now. Mm -hmm. 10 or 12 years old. Um, there was a, a relationship, the relationship broke up, um things were said that at the now looking back were completely wrong to be said and decisions were made and now the decision is weighed heavy on it's the only thing in my life that I can say that hasn't been resolved there's nothing in my life that I would say you know what I need to I need to work on I'm working on mm. everything that's the only thing that I haven't been able to work on that I know needs to be worked on because it's, as a man, as somebody that takes responsibility of everything around him, his community, his family, his loved ones, I am unable to have any sort of control of, of that or not even take control to show remorse for my decisions. My decision was to walk away. My, my decision at that point was, do you know what? I ain't doing this. Pretty much you lived up to the stereotype then, yeah? lived completely up to the stereotype at that point in my life it was I was I was, I was horrible I was, I was horrible and I made the decision that wasn't appropriate but it's taken me a long time to actually understand that the decision I made wasn't a decision out it was a decision of fear I was scared I didn't know what to do with myself but as we know as men there's nothing out there to try and help us pull us back on in 
onto the rails and help us guide us through the system there was no one there saying thomas you need to do this or thomas i can help you support this or what's the problem or thomas there's a shoulder to cry on it was always like you know what i made a decision there's no one else around me to help me with anything else i need to carry on now and i was gonna say i hear all of that and I, 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 and it's nice that you've you've come to the conclusion that you know you made a massive mistake I've only used a bigger word, but it's not appropriate. Yeah. And you messed up. But what are you doing to rectify it? Because you're here now as a dad coach, you're helping men to rekindle the relationship. So where are you making a difference in, in your life and, and making things right with your kids? Well, obviously, like I said, once I've come to terms with that, um, it's taken me a lot. Don't get it twisted. An awful lot. People might think this is an easy thing. But once you've alienated yourself, away from somebody so much for so long you now have so many questions in your own head on how to move forward with this mm, and okay. it's, it's so scary it's probably the most scary thing i've ever done in my life like thomas you need to take action with this so in regards to trying to recontact with these children um i i regularly keep a letter i write a letter so this is something that i do for myself and if the children ever come along there's a box of letters that will be there for them. I regularly try to contact their mum on Facebook. I'm a Facebook friend of the mum. I message her regularly. I went through my old messages from God knows how long, tried to call her, the number didn't work. Um, the CSA don't want to help me with communication. They're only there to take money out of it. Um, there's somebody has abused me on Instagram on a regular basis about not being there for the children who have finally come around now to try and help because I've been trying to explain to them I'm not running from this this is not something I'm running for you can abuse me all you want to but I'm asking for your help I want you to provide me with what I need to make contact I don't know what she wants or what the children want but I need to put start making them steps um, they come back to me I believe it was like three or four days ago um, said that they were unable to make the appropriate contact that is needed. Um, I've been advised to use a private detective to do it. I don't know how that's going to work, but I, that might be something that I have to do in order to do it. Um, socials, can't find her on Instagram, can't find her on Facebook, other than the Facebook, which isn't closed down. Um, so I'm trying proactively to do it. I just have come to a stopping point of what is my next step but my next step has to be always to be a better version of myself so when I have this communication with the children I can say here's what I've done this is what I've done to remember you this is what I've done xyz um and then see where the communication goes from there I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be in that position but I think the main thing is that you're making the steps to try and wrong correct that right correct that wrong and, and to build that relationship as much as is possible. So I admire you for it and appreciate it. And I'm sure that it's great to hear that someone like yourself who's been for it is, is trying to offer a similar type of support to other men out there because it's, it's so easy to just take care of your own thing and just keep it moving. So we always hear people talking about men not showing their feelings and stuff or their emotions. Um, relating to your, to your children, any of them, what is something that's made you become feel kind of emotional and how have you expressed that emotion? Do you know what? It's crazy because I'm, a, I'm quite an emotional person in general. So as much as I try to stay lukewarm and cool on the surface, 
Uh, I don't like saying goodbye. Like that, that gets me tearing up because I might never see you again. So I hate saying bye to my children. It's something I never say. I never say goodbye. It, it's um, it gets me emotional. Like it's like you're going to school, you're actually leaving me. Uh, I don't like any of that. So how do I express my emotions? Um, I, I don't know. I I would find it hard to say how I express my emotions. So. I express them with my everyday attitude towards life and towards them. If I'm, if I love them, which I do every day, um, I express my love in how I carry myself. If I'm happy with them, yeah, I, I would, I, I would struggle to pinpoint how I express my emotions. I just know that if I feel in a certain way, I'm okay with expressing it. I've seen you with Mimi, and you're always hugging her and kissing her on the top of her head, the mole of her head, and that kind of a thing. You know, you know what? Um, I, was, I was gonna say that, but I don't. I think people can do that feel being emotionless. So I, I do that sincerely, but mm. it's not. I, that's why I struggle to say how I do it because hugging and kissing is that a reality of real emotion and the real? Or is that something you could just do because you do it? I think for me, um, I'm a crier, isn't it? So I cry quite easily and, and I ain't afraid to shed a tear. So any little thing, even mm. when they, they achieve something at school or just to see the excitement and joy on, on, on their faces, it just overwhelms me. I think one Christmas, my daughter wanted to call it a kitchen toy and that was the biggest thing for her. She opens all her presents and there's this big box. Daddy, whose box is that? And when she opened it and saw that it was the kitchen set in there, it was, it was overwhelming, bro. I just felt, I felt weak. You know, and I think the other thing as well is when they're hurt, when my children are hurt, it can really, it feels like I'm feeling the pain. I don't even want them to break a fingernail, I'll tell you the truth. I know we can't control certain things, but that's how it feels for me. You know, there was, there was this story. So when, when Amelia was born, she was born with a heart murmur. So that's a hole in her heart. Mm. So we, obviously the NHS, as much as people badmouth them, they basically saved my daughter's life on a new number of times. They probably saved my life a number of times. So as bad as they are, they are amazing service. Um, so we went to one of the big hospitals that deal with heart surgery up in central London. And um, she went under. And I've never seen anybody go under anesthesia before. And what do you, what do you, what do you mean by go under? Because they have to do an operation on our heart, they have to put yeah. her out. Okay, so, you mean um, anaesthetic? Oh, anaesthetic, um, so, yeah, full anaesthetic. So she's, obviously, she's been injected in the, the thing, you know, and they have to take her away from us. And she's in the elevator, and you know they do that five, four, three, and she's crying, she's fighting to get out. And then, bro, it looked like she died. Oh, like, wow. Because, obviously, she's gone under. Like, she's no mm. longer physically there because her body's under anaesthetic. Like... Like obviously Selena's broken down, like which you would, but then how do you express your emotion there? Because kind of thing is you don't always have to be, but then you have to be the stone to help that emotion in your partner. Because mm -hmm. there's no point in both of you breaking down then. Let's go and know what everything's all right, we'll be okay. So even though you're feeling something and you're expressing as much as possible, logically, which is not always a great thing to be, is is two people breaking down here going to be the, the where we should be right now? Or do we need to fight? Quite like you said before, she's under anesthetic. She's okay. Let's manage the situation. Let's manage our emotions. Let's step mm. forward and then come back and be stronger 
when she wakes up. Thanks, Thomas. It's been really interesting hearing everything you shared so far. I know that um, you made a, mention, a comment earlier about there not being much support out there for men. So what has served as your support base as a father? Where do you go to refill your batteries or recharge them? So recharging my batteries, um, personally, just for me, for myself, um, bike ride, run, train, um, sit by myself in my little shed out the back, in my little man cave. Um, I have a few good men around me that I can talk to um, and go to support and advice. And um, there's mm. also some really good networks where kind of it's kind of almost I'd say started me on my journey. So you've got the Fathers Forum, um, which you co co-founded. Um, and then you've also got the Super Dad program, which has helped me with my physical and mental health as well, because I've lost 20 odd kg since COVID started. And that's put me in a wonderful mind space. And Audible, Audible's an amazing. I'm not a big reader, but I can put my headphones on and disappear in some information and come out a better man after an hour. No, I love that. It's amazing. I'm glad that I'm glad to hear that. Um I'm using all three of those mechanisms. So obviously being a part of the Fathers Forum and the Super Dads Club has really been a great help, especially during COVID when it all started up. It's been amazing. And as you know, there's nothing I enjoy more than riding my bike and listening to a good audio book or even driving for that matter. My job sees me on the road quite a bit. And that kind of drives me quite, that kind of drives me and inspires me to keep foot pressing forward and learning new things. Now, it's been a really great time this morning just speaking with you and listening to you speak so openly about your situation your experiences with your father and as a father and it's, it's greatly appreciated I think just in kind of wrapping things up a bit I want to just ask you what is the key thing that you'd say um drove you to starting your dad coaching business um the key thing to start in this was working with children for so long and talking with so many fathers that were struggling, that didn't have nowhere to turn to. When relationships broke up, they'd lost their identity. They weren't able to see their children. They put themselves into work and you just saw them degrade over time because they nobody's advising and guiding fathers and talking to them. So it was just my experience of how, of seeing fathers go backwards after a breakup with their partner and the relationship their children take a, bad end so it was just it's just my experience over time just seeing how little there is for other men yeah and what I like is that some people might argue well what's the point in that if you're already a part of a network like the father's forum but I think we work in different ways so for the father's forum we're more of a, a peer support organization where we're, we all come and share hang out we do the bowling the football team and whatever else it is together and we also bring in our speakers but I think your, your program is so much more tailored to the individual needs of a specific father based on their situation. And I think that's where it really meets a demand for a niche audience, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no it definitely is. I, I think there's so much room out there for fathers um, and men alike. Like, we're not stepping on each other's toes. We should be uplifting each other and supporting each other yeah. at all times. Because of that, there's, we all need help. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So, we're going to close off now, but I'm going to ask you to do one last thing for me. Yeah. You've got a couple of seconds or a minute to say, to leave a message or a thought with any fathers 
that might be listening to us today? Um, fathers, don't give up. Don't give up on yourself, your children, your potential. You've got so much in you that we need to let go of and we need to allow you to express yourself fully. So just my, my thing to fathers would be just never give up. Yeah, I love that. I think the two things that I would say is one, be careful of who you take advice from because not everybody who's giving advice is going to give you positive advice and stuff that's going to uplift you. And the other thing that I would say is don't let your pride prevent you from doing the things that you know to be right. Sometimes we've got to I've heard your brother say it so many times. You got to just hold your L. Sometimes, sometimes you got to lose some some battles, and Definitely. take that chance. And I would say, if there's anything that's worth taking the chance over, it's got to be our children. I mean, they should be our number one priorities in our lives because they didn't ask to come here. They're here as a result of our actions. So mm-hmm. if we need to face a little bit of embarrassment, um, hang our tail between our legs or bow down our heads or whatever it may be. To, to allow our children to excel and thrive and to move forward, then so be it. Mate, I'm going to be honest with you. I love what I see of you when I see you in, interacting with your family and the support that you offer to them. And I love, absolutely love, I don't think there's a video that you've put out that I haven't liked or commented on at least. And I want to encourage you to do that. But the thing that I want to say to you today is I want to thank you for being the man that you are and for acknowledging the mistakes that you've made and seeking to rectify it. I hope that things work out for you and you're able to connect with the twins and, and things develop and the relationship prospers, you know, but even if it doesn't, God forbid, it's good to know that you're doing the thing that is right to make it right after the mistakes that you've made. And it takes a big man to do that. So kudos to you, Tom. Thank you for your time. And have a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, thank you for tuning in to the Black Love Project's Black History Month annual series on intimate conversations. And this, evening, this morning, we've been speaking about all things fatherhood with Thomas Canal. Thank you.